it's like we finally have a solution. Yeah. With all these podcasts, how does one keep up? What are you not? Glad you asked. Welcome to the week in podcasting. Thank you very much. Seth Everett, Val Riley, Jeff Adams. Seth Everett, Val Riley, Jeff Adams. Seth Everett, Val Riley, Jeff Adams. The week in podcasting. We are at episode six of the week in podcasting. My name is Seth Everett. The lovely lady to my virtual right is Val Riley. And the fine gentleman to my left is Jeff Adams. And folks, we are here for episode six. Once again, all of the podcasts that we are going to be promoting here, they're all submitted via the week in podcasting at gmail.com. The submissions have been phenomenal. We want to say to the Halloween guy, great Halloween podcast. We're going to use it next week because that'll be closer to Halloween, but phenomenal, phenomenal shows. Val, how are you? I'm great, Seth. How are you? I- I'm I'm fine. I'm I'm a little exhausted. We had a major league baseball game last night that went into the wee hours of the morning, but that's okay. I'm not complaining. <laughs> um I do have one question for you, my friend. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Did you take off your bra? <laughs> I want the chance to ask that question. It is the great inappropriate question that I got to ask. We are recording this show on what another fake Facebook day called No Bra Day. Now, this one has a charitable idea. It's supposed to raise awareness for breast cancer. So we're not fooling around with this. But women across the world are supposed to take off their bra. So now I, as the host of the show, get to say, did you do it? Did you take off your bra? <laughs> well, it probably would surprise no one that you are the one who told me about hashtag no bra day. You were very excited when we talked pre-show that it was no bra day. And I had no idea because, you know, I'm a busy lady. I'm not always, you know, scanning my Twitter for inappropriate sexualized uh, social <laughs> issues. Um, I don't know how I feel about no bra day before I answer the question if I took it off or not, because I feel like it's kind of sexualizing a cause that I, I don't know what kind of awareness it's actually going to bring besides creepers on Twitter, I guess is my point. Um, to answer your question, I am I am wearing a bra. I did not know it was no bra day. And I think that it's my choice that I'm going to go ahead. I, I'm pro-choice for no bra day. <laughs> I think that I'm going to go ahead and keep my bra on. I like bras. I think some people do better with no bras than others. But I'm going to keep mine on today. But I support everybody going to, you know, schedule a mammogram and, and getting your ladies checked out. How about that? <laughs> Sorry to be a downer. so many things I want to respond with. Um, <laughs> all right. This idea that it's it's raising awareness, the fact that we talk yes. about it, the fact that as soon as I saw it, I said, this has to be a topic. This has to be something that people talk about. People who are listening to this podcast, they, are, they didn't know or they knew and they wanted to see what other people were going to say about it. It will raise great awareness. Is there any difference between no bra day and dumping a bucket of ice on your uh, over yourself? to raise well, money for ALS? 
What, right. What's exactly. the difference? Exactly. So I actually uh, went to a talk the other weekend that with somebody who uh, is a fundraising expert, and they were talking about the ice bucket challenge and how it made a big splash on social media, but the actual connection between the people who did that and then those who gave again, like a year later or six months later, there's, it's hard to track obviously, but there's like basically no correlation. So like people that did it once, that doesn't mean they're supporting the cause. And like people that are wearing no bra today, are they really going to go get a mammogram? Are more people going to go get a mammogram, you know, or get their boobies checked out or do their self exam or whatever, because a bunch of people aren't wearing bras and taking pictures of it and putting it on Twitter. I don't know the answer to that question, but I feel like I know two guys that are going to be looking at Twitter a lot today. How you doing, Jeff? (laughs) Why do you have to throw me under the bus? I'm not looking at Twitter. (laughs) I'm doing fine. I'm just wondering myself if I should get a bra because I'm getting the man boobs. Like when I hit a road bump, it jiggles. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I, I just... I just look if if it takes sexualizing something to raise awareness, what's the problem? I, 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 and it's sexualized. But Val, <laughs> I, but Val, you you know I was messing around with you. Like, yeah, is that a, is is in any way talking about this? Isn't this the idea that people should be talking about this? I know it, it's inappropriate. It's not what you should be talking about at work. That's the whole idea of it, isn't it? I think that it's fun that social media is able to put a a different kind of spin on things like this, on ALS, on breast cancer. Uh, you know, I, I think that's cool that there's, you know, they're trying fun in different ways and it's a little bit edgy. And I think talking, starting a dialogue is always a good idea. I just don't know. I feel like it's a little, you know, I mean, let's, okay, here's what I think. <laughs> in summary, Seth, I'm pretty sure that every day you want to ask me if I'm wearing a bra or not, but you got to today, right? <laughs> and I'm not virtually slapping you because it's hashtag no bra day. <laughs> so this is your freebie. This is the internet's freebie. Hopefully people take a second to think about, you know, what it actually means and what the cause is. And if not, you know, then there's a lot of loose boobies on the internet for you today. And that, you know, that's a pretty good Tuesday. Hey, Val, I got a question for you. Um, Is uh, taking off your bra (laughs) kind of like, for me, I have a hard time wearing shoes and socks. Is it liberating? As for me, as I take off my shoes and socks. (laughs) (laughs) But the real question is. Does it feel the same as taking off a bra? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think my internet's working. I got to go. <laughs> no. Um, here's the thing. Uh, there are different kinds of bras. Okay. Here's the basics. Here's what you guys really want to know. Um, I think sometimes it can feel good to take off your bra. Some bras are more uncomfortable than others, especially like the bras that do the the hard work, the heavy lifting or, you know, they're trying they're complicated because your outfit's complicated maybe it's strapless or something there are bras that tend to be less comfortable than other bras those bras at the end of the day or whatever do feel good to take off but i think there are also comfortable bras and it probably depends on the size of your you know boobies as well to be honest um (laughs) so i i don't know Maybe I'm uptight. I like wearing a bra. I like sleep in a bra, actually, too. For real? So that, yeah. And a turtleneck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I have like a comfortable sleep bra thing that I wear. So 
fan of bras. And I think my boobies thank me for it. You know, I think you got to take care of your ladies. And I think bras can help with gravity. Well, next um, week, let's get them on the show. Okay. Val, I think it's time for you to go solo. I think you just came up with your own podcast called My Boobies Thank You. <laughs> I know a couple of people that would listen to that, but I'm not sure I would want anybody as a guest on the show, right? You don't want to call in on that. Very a nice. blind call in? No way. <laughs> hey, uh, one thing about podcasts that we always wonder about is how long or short should they be? And we always talk about length in podcasts. There are podcasts that range from 15 minutes to two hours to five hours. Podcasts have that variety. That's why no podcasts are the same, except for this one, the movie Minute. The show is literally a minute long. So for our clip today, where the movie Minute reviews uh, such movies as Pan and Steve Jobs, we'll talk about those movies in a second. Let's not just hear a clip. I want to hear the whole show. Here's the movie minute. I'm not sure why three recent productions based on Peter Pan have been so, okay, I'll say it, bad. But Pan, the newest special effect prequel, is no different. Word to marketers, when your movie stinks, naming it Pan... Well, that may just be too tempting for some critics. Far more complicated for me, anyway, is reviewing Steve Jobs, the newest movie version of his story. They've made a bunch of those, too. Here, like the man himself, I suppose, the movie is tough and challenging. Director Danny Boyle brings some moments of heart to the complex and incomplete look at the key man behind the Apple computer. But this is really Aaron Sorkin's baby, with his signature rat-a-tat dialogue competing with Jobs' furious brilliance. Fine performances from Michael Fassbender, Kate Winslet, and Seth Rogen pull us in, where the man himself, at least as seen here, sure doesn't. From the themovieminute.com, I'm Joanna Langfield. Uh, Joanna Langfield is the host, and she reviewed, she, she, she crushed Pan, which has been getting <laughs> crushed in the box office. There have been three Peter Pan movies. Is that true? I didn't even realize that. Yeah. I'm surprised you don't know that. You would think. You would think I would know that. But it's not a princess. So unless it's a Disney princess, I don't know. Would you ask Joanna Langfield if she was wearing a bra today? Of course I would. <laughs> you would? Of course. <laughs> Do you not know me? Do you not know what I'm capable of? <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't know why there's never any good movies to go see. This is my whole issue. I need this podcast in my life because there are no good movies to go see ever. Like what? How do all these crappy movies get made and why aren't there better movies? Mm. Yeah. And you have no excuse not to listen to this woman's podcast. It's a minute. A minute. I, I will download every episode she's ever done. I will listen to them. Absolutely. I will listen to 50 of them. I, how many has she done? This is you fantastic. just got that kind of time. <laughs> I, I, a, a one minute podcast. I love it. I love the idea of it. Oh my God, Seth. I can't even imagine you on a one minute podcast. It would be like 10% of the start of a start of a story. But does she start? Does she, does she like, if she records it and it goes a minute 10, does she cut 10 seconds off? I bet she does. Or like, if she only writes 48 seconds of copy, does she talk slower? I she wanna, seems like a real pro, so I think. Yeah. I know. Joanna, let me know. I have to be your friend. And are you wearing a bra? <laughs> we please tweet her. <laughs> I will. I'm going to find her on Twitter. I'm. 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 I'm doing it as we speak. All right. Um, you can find the movie minute at blogtalkradio.com/slash/the-movie-minute, and uh, you can see all of these 
uh, podcasts. You can stream them uh, through the Blog Talk Radio site. You can also find it on iTunes and uh, download them to your phone. I guarantee you they don't take up a lot of space on your phone. Even the people who bought the 16 gig iPhones, you can find a way to get the movie minute on your show. Uh, and you know, you, you'll have no problem. I can tell you that there was a movie last year. I know I'm, I'm late to the party, but I just saw Val and I, I tweeted this. I could not get over it. Have you ever heard of the age of Adeline? Yes. Blake Lively plays this woman who doesn't age. She's 29 years old. She gets into a car accident. Some kooky thing happens and she doesn't age. And she lives for a hundred years and you follow her life through a hundred years. She's the only thing that never gets old. It is, I'm telling you, like, I'm a huge, like, I'm a back to the future. I'm a time travel. I love the movie Frequency. You remember the movie with Jim Caviezel where he talks on the ham radio to his, to his, his father who had passed away. All these things. I, I love that kind of stuff. I'm telling you folks, the, the age of Adeline, I was riveted. I couldn't get enough of this movie. Yeah, no, I agree with you that there's a lot of good movies to watch. I actually, I told you, I found that website called a good movie to watch.com and they have the best suggestions of like movies you've never heard of that you'll love. And so far I've loved like 99% of the ones I've seen from that site, but going to the movie theater like how does all this crap get made and released and like have all these big budgets behind it when there's so many other movies that like maybe didn't get as much press or you know go to as many theaters that are so much better that's fair that's fair well just wait till we do the whole the the weekend podcasting on star wars and then we'll we'll talk about great movies oh yeah um all right all right, if movies isn't your thing, how about sports? Well, there's sportocracy. What is that? Meet Brian and Grant. They are refining trash talk at the intersection between sports and everything else. Books, television, politics, technology, science, fashion, you name it. Uh, here in this clip, you are about to hear, Emory College released a study of the best fans of NFL teams. I am going to love this. But their hard data points seem to miss some of the important aspects of what being a fan of a team really means. Brian and Grant suggest a couple of other items that they need to measure. If we were to to encourage these folks from Emory to round out their survey of what makes for the best fans what are the other variables that you would put on the list i have a few but but what other variables would you include in that research to to balance out financial performance i would set uh send surveyors or analysts to supermarkets three hours before in the city and surrounding suburbs and count how many jerseys you see those might be jerseys from 20 years ago those might not be newly bought items. I don't think it's fair to judge a fan base based off of if they're willing to buy new apparel versus, you know, if you go to Philly, you're going to see a bunch of Donovan number five jerseys. I, I've been in supermarkets in Philadelphia before where Eagles chants spontaneously erupt hours before game day. Can you go to a trendy restaurant that is, isn't deserted while your team is playing? Are those things more intangible? Yes. But to me, they are much greater factors than t- 
ticket prices or Twitter followers? I would add two. I think one is the way that fans act in the stadium. So uh, there, every team has a culture and every sport has certain practices that are, you know, maybe I'm taking this too far, but acceptable or not. You know, you should not do the wave at a baseball game. Um, you should not... Uh, throw the ball back when someone hits a home run unless you're at Wrigley Field. And so the the understanding of what it means to be a fan of that team and how you welcome other fans in and the way you treat other fans and, and get all competitive, I think that is very important. And then I would not discount the ability of a team to inspire generation after generation, right? So how can you manage, measure that, though? I mean, there are so many ways to judge uh, fans and, and loyalty to fans um, and how, you know, who are the best fans. Uh, I mean, what, one of the things you could look at, how about attendance and television ratings? I mean, there's, there's so many ways to do it. And no, I don't agree that Wrigley Field is the only uh, place where they should throw back the ball. They do it at a lot of stadiums. That's that's fine. Uh, I, I have issues. Guys, take it away. I have issues. <laughs> I like the idea of, uh, that they call them, they, they say that they do refined trash talk. <laughs> I don't know what no, refined right? trash I know, talk I, is, but I like it. And I, I thought what was interesting about um, the survey, because I had to look up the survey after listening to this clip, um, that the winner of this year, you know, of the survey is the Dallas Cowboys, followed by the Patriots, the Giants, the Ravens, and the Jets. Oh, wow. What do you think about that? Yeah, they, I mean, they have the national following, too, don't forget. I mean, Dallas is a major city, but they have, you know, they're kind of America's uh, team, for lack of a better phrase. The, the Patriots, I mean, it's hard to argue the Patriots, they've had 10 years of success. Um, uh-huh. I mean, it, 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 there's a whole generation of kids that grew up, like kids that grew up when when I grew up, they're Pittsburgh Steelers fans for the same reason that kids today are growing up Patriots fans. Like they're the class of the sport. So they're the guys, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. It also said, uh, the article also said the Steelers and the Packers have great fan followings. The Seahawks are slowly developing a great fan base and these teams will do better when we switch to non-financial metrics because what they use to analyze the best NFL teams were mostly around financial metrics. And then I guess they do a different study that measured social media. I like to see them do one for the NBA. Truthfully, I need to do that for a future. So I'm just uh-huh. saying that'd be interesting to me. What the best best NBA fans? Yes, or maybe even college football, or college in general, college sports. That could be interesting as well. Like you know, there's a lot of Gator See, fans I want, out there. I want to talk to Brian. I want to talk to Brian and Grant because I want to go through. I have my list of bad sports towns. Like there are bad sports towns out there, Ooh, folks. Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, you are a bad sports town. Uh, Atlanta, <laughs> Georgia, you're a bad sports town. Miami, Florida, bad sports town. Yes. Like, I would love to get their take on some of those. They don't support their teams. Hey, you had uh-huh. LeBron James for three years. Like, it's a bad, you had Dan Marino. It's a bad sports town. You can't get 10 people to show up at a Marlins game. It's it's a bad <laughs> sports town. Atlanta, they didn't sell out playoff games. I mean, there's, there's bad, I, I think Brian and Grant like would be great. 
I would love the list. I would love like San Francisco. Where does San Francisco rank in sports towns? Denver, Colorado, an amazing sports fan. I remember in the late nineties in Denver, Colorado, they were doing the mile high salute when the Broncos were winning their Super Bowls. If you got to a traffic light, if you went up to a traffic light and saw, you know, and, 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 and saw the person next to you, people mile high saluted you. Like they took over the town. That's a good sports town. So it's interesting you mentioned Florida because, you know, Jeff lives in Florida. And this one at the clip they're talking about says Florida is almost always a problem on our list, whether it's the weather or the fact that many of the locals are transplants that didn't grow up with the team. Florida teams just don't get the support of teams in other regions. Right. Jeff, do you think that's true? Yes, because I grew up loving the Boston Celtics. And I would go to the Orlando Magic games in 89 and I would wear my my Celtic jacket and underneath that I have an Orlando Magic t-shirt. And little by little, I got to see Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish play. And then I realized I was rooting against them. I actually became an Orlando Magic fan in 89 and took my Celtic jacket off because I was always going to Magic games. But it is true. There's so many people down here, a lot of Yankee fans. Like when the New York Knicks show up to play the Orlando Magic at home, there's no more uh, more New York Knicks fans in the crowd than there is Orlando Magic. <laughs> well, and and measuring like good sports fans, I think another you know metric that would be so hard to measure is like when fans travel, how like patriotic or how excited they are about their team. Like for example, my, my husband travels a lot for work and he used to go everywhere he went. He used to bring me home a t-shirt, like last minute thought at the airport. Oh, I should get Val something. Let me get her a t-shirt. <laughs> so I, until I told him to stop. Snuffleupagus <laughs> is incredibly thoughtful. <laughs> I had a drawer full of these random ass t-shirts that like I'd never wore. Right. But anyway, one of the ones that I actually liked was a t-shirt from Austin. So it was the Hook'em Horns, you know, the University of Texas at Austin, the Hook'em Horns shirt. And I wore, I like orange, you know, and so I was wearing it to brunch one day. We were walking around the neighborhood and this guy goes by, and I live in San Francisco, right? So this guy goes by me on the cable car and he's doing this really weird hand gesture to me, right? And I'm like, looking at him like, are you, excuse me, sir, like, what are you doing? And Adam, Adam didn't see it. And then I was like, oh, that's weird. And then like, we were walking down further to the restaurant and somebody stopped me to ask me the score of the game because they were playing that day. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then like someone else did the hand gesture further down the same block. And I was like, okay, what is going on? And Adam was like, oh my gosh, they're doing the hook em horn signal. Like you're wearing the shirt. You can't wear the shirt if you don't know like what's going on, especially on a game day. And I was like, yeah, I'm a bad representation of their fans. And I never wore the shirt again. <laughs> It's like Atlanta <laughs> with a peak on it. Like, you know, how can you go wrong there? <laughs> you imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, he, he's an incredible, thoughtful person. We call him Snuffleupagus, by the way, if you're just joining us, because I have known Val <laughs> Riley for years now. Uh, we've heard a lot about him. He's never made an appearance on anything. And to tell you the truth, it's like Big Bird's imaginary friend. We just don't know he exists. Well, can you blame him? I mean, at the top of this show, I was talking about my bra or lack thereof. The guy, he says he's trademarked and I'm not allowed to talk about him. And I can understand his point. I mean, you know. (laughs) You can understand his point. Yeah. I kind of embarrass myself a lot on these shows that I do with Seth. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) 
I'm his Lex Luthor. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's interrupt. Let's do Life Interrupted Radio. Life Interrupted Radio is how to capitalize on your challenges and live a legacy. The host's name is Sharon Saylor from SharonSaylor.com. Her guest is Judy Van Nykirk from TheDigitalBroad.com. That, I swear we did not make that up. I did not know that going in. True story. <laughs> That's her website. That's awesome. Yes. Anyway, Life Interrupted Radio helps you thrive and create a happy, healthy, wealthy life, regardless of past or present circumstances. Their mission is to inspire you through others' courageous stories and solutions to life's unexpected moments. In this clip, we are about to hear from Judy Van Nykirk's solution for moving through major challenges by solving other people's problems. I lost that when I escaped. And I did what we all do. Look, I got into this habit and this life of looking outside of myself for everything, for worth, value, love, acceptance, everything. One of the things is, and, and, and this is an important thing, yes, my experiences are a little, a little bit more extreme than a lot of people, but I can tell you something, Sharon, every single one of us has experienced challenge, trauma, suffering, loss, pain, and every one of us during that time have, has had no option but to go back inside of ourselves and call on a in tremendous, incredible strength within us to, to survive and to move through and to heal and to, to even thrive as a result of those experiences. And when you've done that, when you've had that inner connection, losing it is like losing a part of your body. And that's what causes so much conflict, depression, anxiety for us is because we, when we get out of that time, we start living and becoming what we call so-called normal again or whatever it is. And we <laughs> I love that phrase, so-called, so-called normal. <laughs> <laughs> we forget that inner connection and take that journey back into ourselves and, lead, and live daily life connected with our inner authentic self. And that was the massive life-interrupted moment that changed my life at that point in time. It was huge. I knew at that point I will never overdose again. I knew at that point I would never live dangerously again. And it was no mistake that not long after that, I met my glorious husband. I think, Sharon, you've actually met him as well. Oh, yes. Um, yes. <laughs> one of those that you point to and go, I'll take one of those, please. <laughs> what I... What I like about this podcast is I feel like anybody going through a hard time, it's always nice to hear. I mean, not nice to hear that other people are also going through a hard time, but nice to hear how other people have struggled and how they've, you know, overcome those struggles. And it can be inspirational to listen to other people's stories like that, particularly when they're hard, um, you know, to talk about. Like Judy Van Nykirk, and I apologize if I'm saying her name wrong, uh, was abused sexually by her father as a young girl and has come all this way and done all these amazing things and is an inspirational speaker now because of it and has made a big difference in Ireland by the fact that she reported it and now more people report those kind of things and so she's made a real impact a big difference 
unlike no bra day, right? Which we're not sure if that's going to make a difference <laughs> or not. But she has definitely made a difference. And now she has a bra company, which I think is really interesting way to loop this whole thing back. Uh, she has this company called the Digital Bra, which um, virtually measures your size and fit for a bra. And <laughs> what is that? I've done this, this process. Really? <laughs> yes. You've used that? There is. I've used it. Not that company. There's a, there's a local company um, that a, a media contact of mine was doing a PR for. It's called True & Co. It's local to San Francisco. And they ha- it's the same idea. And so I went to their launch party and, you know, they said, you know, have a free bra on us. And I was like, okay, you know, so what you do is so awkward. What you do is you go, they ask you to either be in a tank top or a bra. You take different pictures of yourself with your iPhone, like in a mirror. And so they'll say like, stand to the left, like with your left side facing the mirror. And then they'll say like, move the phone up and down. And it can somehow tell like when you're in the right spot. And then it'll say, okay, freeze, like three, two, one. Then it like takes your picture. Ah, right. You're like, I just took a picture of myself in a bra. What's happening? And then you take like a series of pictures and then it sends them off somewhere because you use their app and you're like, oh gosh, this better be so secure, right? My email. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Your email. (laughs) No. So actually I was doing this process and I was like, you know, I'm going to put on a tank top um, just because it made me nervous about where these pictures were going. Yeah. Um, it is a startup after all, like you never know. And, uh, and then I got, I got the bra, you know, a little while later and it fit great. It was a great bra. And they tell you your size, which a lot of women don't know their right size. And so getting measured like that is not, I mean, as long as you don't mind taking pictures of yourself in the mirror, in the privacy of your own home, it's a little less intrusive in some ways than, you know, the alternative is to go to a store and get measured by a professional in a lingerie department. <laughs> Wait, that's and that's all I know about bras. <laughs> yes. That's a job. Yeah, People do that uh, for a living. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it if you go to Nordstrom or whatever. Work. <laughs> yeah, they're doing the good of the people, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> the good of the people. Um, <laughs> well, all right. Well, it, it's a great submission, and our thanks to Sharon for s- sending it in. Uh, Life interrupted radio is our third clip. These clips were all submitted via the email address, which is theweekinpodcasting at gmail.com. Keep the submissions coming. Uh, Like I said, we'll always be looking for ones that are submitted, and uh, we appreciate all the people that have submitted. If we haven't gotten to you yet, we can only do three in a podcast. We have to... We we, we want to do it. We want to... Promote your shows. Keep sending them in. I promise you, we do not ignore anyone. We have not ignored any show that gets submitted. We always take a listen and give it a shot. And I'm telling you, we're looking to always feature podcasts from around the world. Well, all I know is I have to go back to the sports world. We've got more playoff baseball to uh, to to cover, and uh, I'll be doing a lot of it. I want to give out the Twitter addresses, the at the Jeff Adams show at Val Riley and at Seth underscore Everett. Also at the real pod Vader. We can, we can throw in our illustrious producer as well. Twitter has been a, a, a big thing that we've been doing recently. We've been connected to each other on Twitter. We've been tweeting things about each other. Supposedly Val thinks that we had a fight that I, that has now gone viral. I don't understand it, but that, that's fine. Um, 
because we promote a lot of the content that we're doing. Uh, Jeff has his shows that he's pr- pr- uh, producing, not just his podcast. I have more going on, just more than just my podcast. And of course, Val has much more going on than this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Because you always take you always take jabs at Val all the time, man. I'm just like what <laughs> I was like, yeah. Well that, I mean that's true. <laughs> Oh. I know this is not my best show. I got picked on. I had to talk about bras a lot. You had to. I know it's torture. I gotta feel like I need to go to church or like wash my mouth out or something. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Let's close this. All right. Go ahead. How? No, I, I, I just Val. I, I responded. I said Val's always got a lot more going on than just this show. Well, you're right, Seth. Unlike you, I do have a lot going on in the world, the real world, not the virtual Twitter sports world. So one of those things is I'm actually planning a pretty kick-ass Halloween costume, which I'm very excited about. And maybe I'll talk about it next week on our special Halloween episode. That's right. We have Halloween podcasts. So can you give me a hint? Uh, Give me a hint. There is a bra. <laughs> All right, for Val Riley and Jeff Adams, I'm Seth Everett. Make sure you send your submissions to the Week in Podcasting at gmail.com. This has been the Week in Podcasting, episode six. We'll see you next week. See ya. Send in your suggestions for shows you would like us to cover at theweekinpodcasting at gmail.com. That's theweekinpodcasting at gmail.com. I don't know what's happening on the Halloween show. It's about Halloween. That's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody can... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> <laughs>